Well, good evening, and it is a blessing again to be here with you all today and appreciate the opportunity um, to minister uh, this morning in Sunday school. I had a great time uh, this morning, and my wife being able to teach the children, we greatly appreciate that opportunity, and then uh, introduce ourselves throughout the day um, in our ministry to Thailand, and it's just a blessing to be here and now to be able to uh, open the Word of the Lord and, and share a message with you. And if you have your Bibles this evening, I ask if you would to turn them with me to the book of John. The Gospel of John, chapter 4. Uh, Pastor Weems brought a wonderful message this morning out of First John, and appreciate that so much. And this evening, I want us to look at uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 4. And uh, this is a well-known uh, story, well-known um, uh, uh, narrative that we see in the Word of God. And um, it's very easy, I believe, sometimes, whether we're uh, reading our, our personal devotions, our Bible time, or we're in a service of, of some sort, and we come across a story that we've read and we've heard uh, so many times that it's easy for us to get the idea, well, I've, I, I know this story almost inside and out, and I'm just going to tune out, or I'm just going to read through and get my Bible reading done. But, uh, you know, if you've read your Bible through more than once, um, no doubt uh, you, you could read it uh, 10, 12, 13 times and more, and you're going to come across things that you've read, um, and it's going to speak to you differently than it ever has. And that's not to say that there's something new under the sun, because the Bible is very clear that that's not, that's not the case, but I do believe the Word of God is a living book. It's a living Word that speaks to each of us uh, personally. The Holy Spirit uses it to uh, pierce uh, the, uh, the, the thoughts and intents of the heart, and uh, I believe that the Lord has something for us here, even in a familiar passage of Scripture. John chapter 4, verse 1 says, When therefore the Lord, the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. And he must needs go through Samaria. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I ask that you would meet with us this Evening, I thank you for the opportunity to, to preach your word tonight. And uh, Lord, we thank you so much, Lord, for this church and for their pastor. I pray that you give Pastor Weems safety on his flight and, tra and traveling and to just bring him back safely. Lord, we pray that you meet with us here tonight and that you'd be honored and glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. This phrase I want to focus in on this evening in verse 4, it says, And he, speaking of Jesus, must needs go through Samaria. That uh, term, must, needs, is not one that we use very uh, often today. And I would dare say that in, uh, in today's world, there's really uh, at least three different types of needs. You could put that word need in different categories. Uh, first of all, you could put it into the category of a need so-called. Um, I am shocked, and I shouldn't be shocked anymore, but we go to the grocery store, we go to a different store, and, and all of a sudden my two boys have so many needs. They need this, and they need that, and they need this Lego, they need this toy, they need this candy bar, and it's like, you, you don't need those things. Those are my things that might be nice, but they aren't needs. And they'll be like, oh, Dad, we need this, Dad, we need this, and it's that's, that's a need so-called. It's not a true need. Now, ladies, I don't know about you, but guys, if you're honest with me, I would dare say that 
that type of that type of thing kind of grows up with us, doesn't it? We get to the this 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 adult age, and we still sometimes uh, act that way or think that way of oh man, I need that gun, man, I need that truck, I need that uh, that, that 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 thing that I that I really want, and it'd be nice, it'd be it'd be fine to have, maybe nothing wrong with it, but it's a need, so called. It's not a true need. Then you could put in the second category, legitimate needs. And no doubt here tonight, a room full of people, each of us, I would dare say, there's a good chance each of us have a legitimate need. Some of them may be uh, more uh, what we would consider, okay, that's, a, that's more important, that, that's a great need. Others may be a little bit smaller needs, but legitimate needs. Every one of us has those needs in our lives. And we should go to the Lord for those needs and ask him to meet those needs. And they're not just needs so-called, they're legitimate needs. Anybody would say so. But then I believe as we look at this passage, we, as I said, we don't use that phrase must needs very often. But there is that category, isn't there? There's that category of a must need, a dire need. This, this phrase must need is, uh, has a strong meaning of being absolutely necessary. One being behooved to do something or it being incumbent for them to do so. This, this verse stresses so much the importance of Jesus needing to go through Samaria. Now, this wasn't the easiest or the best or even the most traveled way to get where he was going. It was could have been easier for him to go around Samaria. In fact, uh, the most Jewish people, they would have gone that route, not just because it was easier and a shorter distance, but also the Jewish people did not travel this way. They did not go through Samaria. But we see Jesus, there is a, there is a, a dire need here. There is a, he is incumbent. He, is, he feels behooved to go through Samaria. Now, he had this must need. Because there was a woman with a must need. There was even a city full of people with must needs. The most important needs possible. Look with me if you would in verse 5. It says, Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How was it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, Thou wouldst have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. This woman had some must needs in her life. The first one that I want us to look at is she had a must need to know Jesus. This was imperative for her. This was uh, uh, incumbent for her to know who Jesus truly was. I spoke this morning in Sunday school about the people of Nineveh. And how they did not even know the basic characteristics of who our God is. They didn't know that he would actually uh, forgive their sins. And that in in repenting and getting right with God, they said, who can tell or who knows 
what will happen. Who, know, who can tell if God will repent of his sin? There are a lot of people in our world today, the world is full of people who do not know our God. They do not know Jesus. We're going to a country, as you saw in the video, in Thailand, where the majority of people have never even heard the name Jesus Christ. They have no idea that there is one true God. Isaiah chapter 45, verse 22, God makes a wonderful statement when he says, Look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. Folks, that's, that's a wonderful promise. That's a wonderful invitation that our God gives to whosoever, to the ends of the earth, to look to him for salvation. But there's a, there's a problem because two verses before that in Isaiah 45, 20, God said this. He said, there, are, uh, they have, there, they, there is a people that have no knowledge that set up the wood of their graven image and pray unto a God that cannot save. Folks, this invitation for people to uh, turn and look to God for salvation, uh, if to that, that's, that's to the ends of the earth, that's to whosoever. The Lord is making it clear that anybody can look to him for salvation. Anybody can be saved. Sorry. But there's a problem when there's people, as God said in Isaiah 45, 20, that they have no knowledge. They do not know that there is that invitation. They don't even know that there is that one true God. And here we see a woman who does not know who Jesus is. She has no idea who she is talking to. Those who do not know God, those who do not know Jesus Christ, they wrongfully elevate someone or something else above the one true God. We see this with her in verse 11. She says, the woman, it says, the woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? <laughs> she asked him, are you greater than Jacob? Now, Jacob is not really the one that I would want to elevate, if you know his story. I mean, this guy got quite the scandals, and he's got quite the past. But she asks Jesus, she asks the creator, she asks the great I am. She says, are you greater than Jacob? Folks, that's what it's like when there's people out there that say, is your God greater than Buddha? Is your God greater than Muhammad? Is, you know, but they're, they're elevating something or someone else above the one true God because they have been create, God created mankind with the desire to worship and the desire to, to, to turn to God. But so many people have left the one true God and followed another man-made religion, another man-made God, and today they are living in an in a area, in a culture, in a place where they do not know who Jesus is. They do not know who God is. And they have a, they have a must need. They must need to know who Jesus is. Not only do those who do not know God usually elevate someone or something else above the one true God, but they also hazardly choose to focus on this life and what they can, what they can uh, gather up in this world and in this life, and they, they don't look too far past eternity. You have a lot of people who don't know God, who are very religious, and they're elevating something else above the true God, but then you have a lot of people that they don't know God, they're not saved. They may not be religious, but they're focusing only on this life. They're not looking past this life, and they're not even considering eternity. We see this with the woman at the well. When she says in verse, in verse 10, it says, uh, Jesus answered and said unto her, 
If thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Look down with me at verse 13. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. He's speaking of the water and the well. But verse 14 says, But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Jesus is telling her, this water in the well, it's, it's, it's great, it's fine, it's good for, the, for this life, it's good for this world. But I've got something even greater. I've got something that will never, that will satisfy your soul. Something that will, that will satisfy you eternally. And in verse 15, the woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. She's still not seeing the, the, the big picture. She's still not looking past this life. She's so focused on this, this life and, and this world. And as she hears about this wonderful water that, that Christ is telling her about in a spiritual sense, in a, in, a, in a true sense, but a spiritual sense, and she's still considering it to be something that she can touch and feel with her, with her hands and with her mouth. And she's only thinking in this, this life. She's like, give me this water that, so that I don't have to come to this well anymore and draw the water. Give me that water. So many people in our world today, when they don't know Jesus, they, they seem to either elevate someone or something else above him and or they get so focused on this life. They're not focused on eternity. They're not considering their eternal soul. They need to know who Jesus is. This woman had a must need. Not only did she have the must need to know who Jesus was, but she had the must need to have her sins forgiven. Look with me if you would in verse 16. Jesus saith unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband, and that sayest thou truly. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Jesus brought to the surface the fact that this woman at the well was a sinner. He asked her this question of, or told her to go call her husband, and she confessed to him that she had no husband. She confessed to him even further that she had, uh, that, that she had sinned, and Christ, called, Christ mentioned the sin, and she confessed to it. And folks, when people don't know who Jesus is, when, they, when, they come into that, when, when, Jesus, when Jesus reveals to them who he truly is, he also reveals to them their need of a Savior because of their sin. They cannot have their sins forgiven until first they are willing to acknowledge and confess that they are sinners. Now, I wanted to say this as we talk about those who are lost confessing their sin and repenting of their sin. It would be easy for us to look at this story and say, well, Jesus brought up her sin and, and called her out on her sin. And so we'll just go out and we'll start calling out people on their sins and that'll bring them to Jesus. Now, I do believe that we need to faithfully, biblically call sin, sin. So much has happened in our country and in our world because there wasn't someone that was faithful enough to stand up and say, the, Lord, the, the word of God says, the Lord has said, this is sin. But I also want us to realize that this is the son of God talking to her. He knew her better than she knew herself. We, don't, we can't see the motives of other people. We can't see the hidden, the, the hidden lies of other people. And I want us to say that when we talk to somebody 
about their sinful life, if we talk to somebody about the sins that they are engaging in, can I say this, that first of all, we need to practice Colossians 4, 6, where we're, we're told, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. We're not going to do anybody any favors if we're calling out their sins with no love. If we're calling out their sins with no grace. The reason why Christ was calling out this lady's sin was for her to come to a saving knowledge of who he was. He was bringing up her sin in love. And so many people have brought up someone else's sin but with no love attached to it. Not only do we need to be careful that we're not doing that, but we need to also make sure that we're not going to somebody with a speck in their eye while we are at the same time have a moat in our eye. We need to make sure that we are, are going to someone in a biblical way if we are addressing the sin in their lives. But can I tell you, when someone truly understands who Jesus is, when they truly understand who they are, that they are a sinner, and that they are in need of a Savior because of their sin, it is a glorious moment when their sins are forgiven. This was such a wonderful time, a wonderful moment in this woman's life when she started to understand that she was a sinner and that she needed to be saved. Acts 26, 18 is a verse that I mentioned in our, in our video but God commanded Paul to go to the Gentiles and he, he told them to do that so that he would open their eyes and then turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. When, you're, when, you're, when a person's sins are forgiven, their whole life changes. Their, their, their designation changes. I love what, how Pastor Williams spoke about this morning about our identity in Christ. You know, before we got saved, we were a child of Satan. We were on our way to hell. We were, uh, we were a servant. We were, we were an enemy of God. And then when our sins were forgiven, when we turned to him for salvation, we were identified by who we are in Christ. Our destiny changes our, our, our eternity uh, designation has changed in that we are now uh, headed for eternity in heaven where before we were headed for eternity in hell, separated from God. It is wonderful when our sins are forgiven. That song that was sung tonight in Christ alone, he talked about how sin's curse has no more hold on us. How we have no guilt in life, no fear in death because our sins are forgiven. It's not because of anything you or I have done. It's because God has forgiven our sins on, the, on Christ's account. It's so wonderful that our sins could be forgiven. Every single sin. Our desires also change. Not just our designation and our destiny, but our, our desires should change. When we get saved, when our sins are forgiven... There's a, new, there's a transformation, there's a new creature. Old things are passed away, behold, all things are become new. I don't want to get too far ahead in the story, but look with me, if you would, in verse 28. It says, The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and said to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Once she got saved, not only did she leave her sinful lifestyle, I believe that's clear. I believe that's her testimony here that she got right, that she truly got saved. But there's that phrase that she left her water pot. Now, what I see when I see that is earlier, remember we talked about how she couldn't get her eyes past the moment, past this life, past this world. Here, she's, she's no longer concerned about that water in the well. 
here. She's so excited, and she understands that her, her eternal soul has been saved. Her desires have changed. Not only did this woman have the must needs of knowing God, knowing Jesus, of having her sins forgiven, but she also had the must need of worshiping God. In verse 20, she says, Our fathers worshiped in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. They just started, they just finished talking about her sin, and she tries to change the subject, I think. And she starts talking about religion and worship. In verse 21, Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship ye know not what, we know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he has come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. She had a must need to worship the true God. Earlier I, I said man was created to worship God. God created mankind with the desire to worship him. But many have turned to worship a God they know not what. Jesus mentioned that to her in verse 22. He says, Ye worship, speaking of her and the Samaritans, he said, ye worship, ye know not what. Our world is full of people who are living their lives for something else, someone else, a movement, a religion, a belief, an ideology. And God and Jesus is telling them, ye worship, ye know not what. So many people, if you were to sit them down and ask them legitimate questions about why do you do this? Why are you following this way? Why do you believe this way? Why do you practice this? So many people would not have a true answer for you. So many as well, I've been told to do it this way or this is what I've always been, this is what we've always done. This is how we do it. And they worship, they know not what. They worship a false way, a false belief. You know, it's wonderful, as I said earlier, when someone's sins are forgiven. That's, that's wonderful. It's, it's a joyous occasion when someone gets saved. But the ultimate purpose for someone to get saved, I believe the Bible teaches, is so that God will be glorified and worshiped. Oh, I'm thankful for every soul that gets saved. And another name is, is added. Another one is headed for heaven. I, I love that, I, that we should celebrate that. But all in the name of who God is. God should get all the glory and the praise. Philippians, uh, Revelation 4.11 says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. We were created to please God. There's no greater way that you can please God than if you trust in his son alone for salvation and then live your life to please him and serve him. This woman had some must-needs. A, needs, a, need to, a must need to know Jesus, a must need to have her sins forgiven, and a must need to worship God. And there are people all across this world and all across our area of influence who have these same must needs. They have a must need to know who Jesus is. They have a must need to have their sins forgiven. And they have a must need to stop worshiping something or someone else and worship the one true God. And because of that, you and I also have a must need. Look back with me, if you would, in verse 4 of chapter 4. It says, and he must needs go through Samaria. 
Jesus it was needed to go through Samaria. Yes, because there was a woman there who had a must need. But can I tell you, I believe more there was a larger, a bigger reason for that than just to go preach to the woman and share with the gospel with her. I believe he ultimately had to go. He must needs go through Samaria because it was his father's will. In John 8, 29, Jesus made the statement, He that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. For Jesus to say, I only do all those things, always those things that please him, means that as we read what Jesus is doing here, this had to please the Father, and this had to be the will of his Father. He was doing what the Father wanted him to do. It is imperative. It is a must need for you and I to continually do what the Lord wants us to do. Despite the results. We, we may think, well, the last time I followed what I knew what the Lord wanted me to do, I didn't see anybody saved. I didn't see any, any great. Friend, if you follow what the Lord wanted you to do, you are bringing him honor and glory and your obedience. Just keep your place here and turn with me to the end of Luke. Just a couple pages over. Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. Jesus has resurrected and he's appeared to the disciples. And in Luke 24 verse 44. It says, And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scripture. And said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You see that word in verse 46, behooved, it behooved Christ. That is the same word that we get the word, the phrase must needs in John chapter 4. In other words, it was just as needful. It was just as imperative. It, was, it behooved Christ to go to Samaria just as much as it behooved him to go to the cross and suffer and raise again the third day. Now, Christ came for the ultimate purpose to die on the cross of Calvary. But for him to go as the perfect sinless Lamb of God, for 30 plus years, every day of his life, he had to faithfully obey and do what the Father wanted him to do. It was imperative, it behooved him to obey his Father. And we see that he does this in John chapter 4. While it is, you know, we, we, we need to make sure that we are fulfilling the must needs that we have in our lives. There are must needs, there's people with those must needs of knowing who God is, having their sins forgiven, worshiping the true God. There's people with those must needs all across the world, but there's also people like that right here at home where you work, who you work with, who you go to school with, who you spend time with. There are people right around us who have these must needs. We must needs go. We must needs do what the Lord wants us to do and be faithful in carrying out the Great Commission and be a missionary. You know, we get asked a lot, we get asked sometimes, you know, what is a missionary? A missionary, you just simply put, could be someone who's on a mission. Are you on a mission? Are you, we've all been given the Great Commission. We've all been, God has given each of us a mission to share the gospel with the lost. It's not just for pastors, it's not just for missionaries or evangelists, it's for the church, it's for Christians. 
While it is true that the harvest needs more laborers, we need to understand that God wants, wants to use each of us. It's, it's important that, you know, if, 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 that we know what God wants to do with each of our lives. Not, God's not going to call every single church member to a foreign field. That's not how the Lord works. But I do believe that over the years, there have been many people who God has called to go to a specific area of the world, to go to a specific field, and that person has chosen to disobey. That person has chosen not to follow the Lord's will, to go to people with those must-needs of, of knowing who Jesus truly is, of having their sins forgiven and worshiping the true God. Whatever God has called you to do, whether it's go to a foreign mission field or, or serve him in some capacity here in your church, you must needs go. You must needs go and serve him in whatever way that you know the Lord wants you to serve. So many people, so many Christians, we spend a lot of our time waiting for a call, waiting for God to tell us to go when we've already been given a commandment. We've already been told to go. We've already, we're waiting for God to show us a specific way and then we'll serve him. But God has already given us a commandment. In John chapter 4, verse 34. John 4, 34, Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Say not ye there are yet four months and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields. For they are white, all ready to harvest. Jesus says, the time is now. It's important that we're about the Lord's work. He said, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. We need to make sure that we're faithful to the end, to finish the work that God has given us to do. The fields are white. It's, it's, it's harvest time. It's time to get busy. We must needs go because there are people all around us with some great must needs. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you, God, for your word. I thank you for revealing yourself to us through your word. Lord, showing us who you are and that you want to save us. And thank you, Lord, for forgiving us of our sins and wanting a relationship with us. Lord, I pray that if there's someone here tonight, Lord, who's never accepted you as their Savior, Lord, they don't know you personally, I pray that they would get that taken care of tonight. Lord, help us who are Christians, Lord, to understand that even though we may be saved, uh, we have some great must-needs as well. We must need be busy about what you'd have us to do. And one of the main things that comes with that is sharing the gospel and telling others who you are so that they may also know you and have their sins forgiven and worship you and serve you with their lives. Lord, I thank you again for this church and for their pastor. I pray that you bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen.